get into the scripture this morning, start with a family story. My grandma died in 2011 of stomach cancer, and calling it stomach cancer is an understatement. She had a volleyball-sized tumor grow in her that grew all of her organs together. She was in uh, some trouble. Thankfully, the Lord was merciful. There was only three weeks in between diagnosis and she went to be with Jesus. Uh, there was, it was inoperable. It was untreatable. It was, it was a pretty brutal three weeks on her and my mom and her siblings. And she was in very much pain. But in the midst of it, she told my mom, she said, I did this to myself because my stomach cancer pain is right here where my worry has been. She said, it is the same place. She said, I did this to myself. Proverbs 14.30 says, a tranquil heart gives life to the body, but jealousy rots the bones. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but jealousy rots our body. Well, that word jealousy, if you know your Bible, you know the Old Testament is written in ancient Hebrew, which is a language no one speaks today. Even the Jewish rabbis have to learn it. Um, And translating ancient languages is not an exact science. If you know more than one language, you know that it's never word for word equal across languages. And so that word jealousy there... That Hebrew word that's there in the original text gets translated a lot of different ways in the Bible. It gets translated envy, passion, zeal, ardor, anger, lust, ill will, and sometimes it just gets translated very. So the sense of the word that God says this thing that rots our body The sense of the word is, looking at all those words at once, it's intensity. Do you see it? It's intense desire. All those things, those other ways we translate this word, I'm boiling it down to, I'm not a Bible translator, I don't know ancient Hebrew, I'm just reading other people's writings and combining thoughts and thinking through with the Lord myself, and, and I... And I came up with this, that a tranquil heart, a peaceful heart gives life to the body, but intense desire rots the bones. And we have a word in English for intense desire that gets used a lot in our modern world, and that is anxiety. A tranquil heart gives life to the body, but anxiety rots the bones, rots, rots our body. Anxiety is intense fear or intense desire, there's something I really, really want and I get anxious about that, or there's something I really, really don't want to happen and so I get anxious about that. I am, I am intensely desiring something to have it or that it not happen or that it will happen. It can be strong anger, it could be obsession with some idea or an obsession with justice or an obsession to understand something and all of that makes us anxious. So I'm defining the word anxious as strong desire, which is what this Hebrew word is. To be intensely concerned or strong grief, overwhelming feelings are bad for our body. It is a well-documented medical fact that emotion has an enormous effect on our health. 
positive and negative, and my grandma's weeks of bleeding in agony is a terrible example of the end result of anxiety. We are not capable, emotionally or physically, we are not capable of living in a fight-or-flight, stimulated state continuously. But most people do. We live ready to run, ready to fight. We're fighting circumstances, other people, fighting our own mind. We must have peace. We were designed to only to live in peace. And when we sinned, when we blew it and left God, well, that takes our peace away. But um, anxiety is on the rise worldwide, across every age, culture, economic level. The entire world is stressed out. So I want to talk to you about anxiety today, and I, actually I'm still talking to you about surrender, um, uh, how surrender is the antidote to anxiety. If you haven't been here recently, I've been talking about surrender for six, eight weeks now, and um, the Lord is, is doing good things in our lives. But I was listening to a podcast this week of a military interrogator, the world's foremost expert on body language and reading people and getting inside their mind to break them open, to get information. So this man is an, an expert interrogator. I crack people's minds open to get them to give up the information the U.S. military wants. You with me? And he says... The number one tool we use is anxiety. We want to break the person down, since we can't physically torture them, we want to break them down with stress. Well, I wonder who's interested in breaking you down with stress. Who is literally torturing you to break your mind, to get you to betray Jesus? The number one tool to break somebody down, as far as this guy's concerned, is anxiety. And so in this podcast, he's talking about the causes of anxiety. And of course, you could read a lot of different books by a lot of different PhDs and MDs and psychologists and get lots of ideas. I'm just going to pass on what he said, and, and we'll just go from there into Scripture. But he said that... The causes of anxiety, number one, is that there's a decline in my reputation. That I think I am being insulted, embarrassed, or hurt, and that I want to manage how other people think about me or how they treat me. Now think back through your own life at a time when you were scared about what other people were thinking or what they were going to do to you or how you had been offended or insulted or or you were scared something was going to happen that was going to embarrass you, the anxiety comes right up, doesn't it? And sleep goes down. And meditation while you're driving or at work, or you just you get fixated on this thing. This person lied about me at work. This person's lying about me in the family. I, whether it's real or perceived is really not the point. It could be either one, but... When I think I'm suffering a decline in my reputation and I need to manage how I'm being perceived or treated, that causes anxiety. That could be as small as 
somebody sliding you um, at work to uh, a military interrogation. But number two cause of anxiety, this man said, is our inability to recognize what I can and can't control. I want to control the things I can't. That causes anxiety. I really, really want to script my own life. I want to know how it's going to turn out, and I want to get there for what I want and where I want to arrive and what I want to achieve and what I want to buy and what I want to do. But another cause of anxiety is the inability to recognize what I can't control, but also the inability to recognize what I can control. Very much of people's anxiety is the belief that they can't control things that they should be doing. I can't control my weight. I can't control my finances. I can't control my kids. And causes anxiety because they believe they can't control things that they should be taking charge of. Another cause of anxiety is unmet expectations or the fear of unmet expectations, the fear of loss causes great anxiety. I want what I can't have or I'm afraid that I won't get what I want or I'm afraid of losing what I have. This man in this podcast is saying we use these tools to introduce the people we're interrogating, we're introducing them to stress and anxiety by putting them in situations where they're out of control, where there's fear. And a fourth cause of anxiety is options. Well, I have these three choices and I don't know which one is right. Or there's two things and I want both, but I can't afford both. Uh Uh-huh. If you know where I want both is from, you're, re- you're really cool. Options create anxiety. 200 years ago, Soren Kierkegaard wrote that anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. That when we are free to do what we want, it creates anxiety. One of the reasons you lose sleep is because you are too free. I'm totally serious. You think you have too many options. You're not supposed to have any options if you belong to Jesus, but you think you do. It's the fear of missing out. I have to keep scrolling because there's something I haven't seen yet. Somebody posted something and I'll be out of the gossip loop. It's this fear of... If I spend my money over here, I won't get to do this. And if we do this this summer, there's these three things that we won't get to do. And so we have the causes of anxiety, trying to manage my reputation, trying to be in control of what I can't or believing I'm not in control of things that I should be taking charge of. Unmet expectations or the fear of loss and options. So if any of those resonate with you if any of those go off in your own mind or heart of, oh, yes, that's why I lose sleep. Oh, yes, that's why I'm so tense. I just want to read some scripture to you this morning. 
And you may close your eyes and listen, or you may read along on the screen, whatever is the most peaceful thing in the way that you're going to absorb this and retain it. But let's start in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The first thing I want to highlight to you is that God knows what's in your heart. He knows your anxieties. And he's, he's searching so that he can save you and lead you in the way everlasting. He's not searching so that he can chew you out and shame you. He does want to set you free. He's not going to excuse your behavior and your sin, but he's not, he's not searching your heart to try to find blame, but he knows it's there. Next one is Proverbs twelve twenty five. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. I hope that's what I'm doing this morning is bringing you a good word. To make you glad. Next is Psalm 94. When I said, my foot is slipping. What's that? That's fear. That's anxiety. When I said, my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Notice David is fearful and anxiety is great. And the two things is God's love and comfort. How is he receiving those? He's believing they're there. So the way we receive everything from God is by faith. To believe and know that it's there. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I love that one. Jesus isn't just taking on our cares and concerns because he has to, because he's the king and he has to deal with the business. He is taking it on because he loves us. He honestly, deeply cares about you and your circumstances and your heart, your thoughts and your feelings. Next one is Psalm 511. Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let all those who love your name be joyful in you. If we will believe that God is the one who defends our reputation and that I don't have to worry about who's saying what or how I embarrassed myself or how I shamed myself at work or in the family or at church or whatever, if you just believe that God is your defender and your vindicator, there are like eight verses in the Old Testament. David and others say, God, you are the one who vindicates me. I don't, I don't have to defend myself. You will, you will vindicate me. If we'll believe that, then there's a lot of joy in that verse. Shout for joy and be joyful. Psalm 27.10, when my father and mother abandoned me, then the Lord will take care of me. You have no needs that God won't meet. But that's pretty bad if mom and dad abandon you. And some of you have lived through that. Most of us haven't. Even then, David says, the Lord takes care of me. Matthew 6, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or what, about your body, what you will wear. Is it not more important than food and the body, more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are they not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Those are not just comforting words. Those are not even Jesus' command on how we are to think and, be, and feel and behave. It is life-saving words. Do not worry. Worry will kill you. It is not your friend. It's not your problem. It is your enemy. Do not fret. Psalm 37, do not fret. It only causes harm. Don't be afraid. Psalm 56, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can mortal man do to me? Well, God, they can do a lot. (laughs) A lot that really hurts. But from God's perspective, it's nothing. So what if they lie about you? So what if they insult you? Jesus said, greatly rejoice when that happens. So what if you lose your job? So what if your family doesn't like your faith or your business decision or whatever may be playing out in your life? So what? Rejoice in Jesus and be at peace. Philippians 4.19 And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you will believe that for real, it will come true in your life. And you won't have to worry about your needs. Next one is Jesus speaking. Be content with your wages. That's a big source of anxiety. How am I going to pay my bills? You got too many bills. Everybody thinks, oh, I don't have enough money. No, you have too many bills. Give up some stuff. Stop spending it over here so you have it over here for what you actually physically need. Jesus said, be content with your wages. No complaining. No being afraid. Philippians 4, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? Okay, you can say amen, Amen. but I don't want to learn that lesson. (laughs) At least half of it I don't want to. I I would love to learn how to live with everything that I need and everything I want. I don't want to learn how to live with nothing. Some of you have. Most of us haven't. Oh, yes, amen. It's a good Bible verse. No, there's some real life right there. And we have to live it out without anxiety. What would happen if your business collapsed or you lost your job? Might be some stress. Jesus says, no. Chill out. Trust me. Learn how to live on nothing. Ecclesiastes 5.12 says, The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. 
Another reason you're losing sleep is because you're too rich. I'm serious. We have way too much money, so we have too many options. Whoever won that billion dollar mega millions lottery last week and like, ooh, that would be fun to be that person. No, I doubt if they've slept since. That would be terrifying. Yeah, one of the reasons you're anxious is you're too rich. First Timothy 6, 8 to 10, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Pierced themselves with many griefs. Notice it doesn't say greedy, just eager for money. They could genuinely want to work really hard, but the desire is to make more money. And that pierces you through with griefs. It's not wrong to want to work hard and build a building and, or build a business and, and do well, but if money is the goal, you're, it's never enough. That's a Bible verse too. The one who loves money never has enough. But the one who is content can be content with nothing. Psalm 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd, I do not lack. You, most of you know it as I shall not want, and we think of want as um, like I wish I had something, but the word is want as in lack, like there's something I need that I don't have. This verse says there's nothing I need that I don't have because Jesus is my shepherd. He's taking care of me. Next one, Psalm 118, 6 to 7, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. Whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. If I'm afraid of what people think about me or what they will do to me that will ruin what I want to happen, I will make really dumb decisions. I will do dumb things. I will say dumb things. I will make a fool of myself defending myself about things that may or may not be true. The Bible uses that phrase, the fear of man, meaning fear of other people. And it doesn't mean like horror movie fear, fear of crime. It means fear of what other people think about me or how they will ruin what I want to happen. Over and over and over, God says, do not fear man. Don't be afraid of what other people think. Isaiah 51, this is God speaking. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should fear mortal men, the sons of men who are but grass, that you forget the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth? That you live in constant terror every day. For I am the Lord your God who churns up the sea so that its waves roar. The Almighty, the Lord Almighty is his name. You know, God has a right to expect us to trust him. It is not unreasonable for God to be insulted when we get worried. Like, hey, here I am. Hello, I made it all. I laid the foundations of the earth on which you are the tiniest speck. But I know every intimate, minute detail of what's going on in your heart and your life. Do you think that I won't take care of you if I can manage the earth and the ocean and the planets and outer space? It's perfectly rational for him to be insulted that we are anxious. 
He has a right to demand that. I have put your words in my, my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I who set the heavens in place, I who laid the foundations of the earth, who are you that you should be afraid? Why are you afraid? Because you want to be in control. Why do you want to be in control? Because you want to be God. It's the original human desire is I want to be God. I want to call the shots. I want to script this. But he is the author of our faith. He's the one who's writing the story. Proverbs 16.9, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. That verse is in Proverbs, I think, five or six times. It's the most repeated of the Proverbs, that we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Surrender to that and be at peace, because there's nothing you can do about it. Has anything in your life go the way you wrote it in your head when you were 19? <laughs> Come on, it's going to keep happening. So just give in and let God be God. Surrender is the antidote to anxiety. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Don't lean on what you think you understand. That will always make you afraid because you don't understand. I don't. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. Give God all your concerns. Thank Him for what He's doing. And then the peace of God, which you will not understand. I don't know how I can have peace in this circumstance, but I do. I just, I just know God's going to work it out. It's going to be okay. I trust him. And I, I was all anxious about it, and now I'm not. And he, the situation didn't change, but I have peace, and it passes my understanding. If you are this morning, if you're here and you are in Christ, you have access to every one of those promises. If you're not in Christ this morning, you don't have access yet, but you can. And we're going to invite you to come into Jesus because every promise of God is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. It can all be yours. But the antidote to your anxiety is surrender. Just, just surrender and be at peace. And again, I have to say it every week. I want to drive this home. When I'm using the word surrender, I don't mean passively giving up. Just laying down and letting life happen to us and, well, whatever will be, will be. I give up fighting. I'm not talking about quitting in any way. I'm talking about giving in in our will. We're giving in to God. Saying, not my will, but yours be done. It's giving in to what God instructs for my life instead of intensely desiring something that I want because that's anxiety, and that's killer. I've invited you the last four weeks to surrender. We're going to do it again. I invite you to surrender again this morning. It really is a daily thing. I invite you to surrender your reputation, to quit caring what other people think, whether it's true or false, just you do what you 
in all good conscience what you believe is the right thing, and I'm obeying Jesus, and this is the scripture I'm standing on, and this is the decision I'm making, and this is where I'm going. I, I give up being afraid of what other people think. There is a right and loving way to care about other people and to listen to them about what they think about you, but I'm talking about the fear of trying to fighting for your reputation. We're going to surrender that. I invite you to surrender your attempts to control the events of your life. You're not the author of the story. We can't script what other people do. I don't know about you, but I'm terrible at even scripting my own day, much less my life. What I think I'm going to do when I get out of bed in the morning is not what I get done. And what I think I'm not going to do, I end up doing, and I'm a terrible script writer. So we're going to surrender our attempts to control, and we're going to surrender this, well, I can't do anything about that victim mentality. Lord, I surrender my excuses. I can do something, maybe not much, but you can do something about your finances or your diet or your gossip problem or I invite you to surrender your needs and desires and just say, God, I receive what you give me. If your job prospers and you get a raise or your business gets a bunch more clients, praise God. But I can't live in anxiety and stress about that. And if my business declines and customers go away and I get a pay cut at work, praise God. I'll learn what Paul did to live on less. We're going to surrender our needs and desires, and I invite you this morning to surrender your freedom because options create anxiety, which is why Jesus said, give up your entire life. Take one thing with you when you follow me. What is that? The cross. No other options. There's no way out of this. So what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is that I sign off all my other options and my life is forfeit for you, Jesus. Whatever you want. If you tell me to move to a war-torn enemy nation, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to go there and love people. If you tell me to stay in this job I don't like, I will stay here and I will serve my boss. If you tell me to do this ministry that is an inconvenience to my schedule, I'm going to volunteer. You tell me to take on a foster kid that is really difficult, I'll do it. We surrender our freedom, make ourselves a bond servant of the Lord. So if what I have said about anxiety or if the scriptures that I read to you about what to do with it, if that spoke to you this morning, I'd like you to stand. If you're, you're saying, yes, this was helpful, or yes, I need help in this area. All right. All right, now, we all know the international symbol for surrender. <laughs> I don't want you to do it just because this is where I'm going. If you don't want, if you're not ready to surrender to Jesus, please don't do this. But if, if you're like, yeah, I, I need to give up this stress, this fight in me that is, it's killing me. 
It's, it's robbing my sleep and my peace and it's affected my kids and, and our marriage. And, and I, just, I just invite you to surrender because surrender is peace. It's, you're not giving up. You're not just laying down to just let other people and life and circumstances run over you. But we're just saying, God, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Lord, we surrender to you. We surrender our reputations. Stop worrying about what other people think all the time. What they think about how we look and how we dress and how we look online and where we're at and what we're doing. and We just stay in a clean conscience with you and be who you made us to be. And if somebody believes lies about us, you are our defender. Lord, we surrender our attempts to control other people, to control events, to control the circumstances, Lord, to control other people's decisions. Oh, Lord, there's so much anxiety in that. Worrying about what other people are going to do. We can't do anything about it most of the time. Lord, we give up our excuses about the things we can do something about. Where you tell us that there's something we can do, we will obey you. We'll listen and do it and take responsibility. Lord, we surrender our needs and our desires to you. You know what we need, food and clothing and shelter, and you know we got to pay the power bill, and you know all those things. We can't add an hour to our life by worrying about it. You said to seek first the kingdom of God and that you will take care of everything else. So here's our step of faith, Lord. We surrender our needs to you and the things we would like to have, things we would like to do, the places we would like to go, the things we would like to own. Give that to you, Lord. Your way is better. We sang it last week. Your way is better. The world says load up on payments. Go into debt, run yourself ragged, go, 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 do, 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 buy, 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 Lord, your way is better. <laughs> just stop. Stop shopping. Stop looking. It's just an exercise in discontent. We just give it all to you, Lord, and we seek your kingdom. And you'll give us what we need and some of what we want. And Lord, we surrender our freedom to you. We lay all other options down and we pick up the cross and we follow you wherever you say to go. Whoever you say to love and take care of, whatever you say to do, whatever you tell us to give away, wherever you tell us to work, wherever you tell us to stop going, whoever you tell us to stop dating, whatever you have for us, Lord, we surrender our options. And we say our only option is obeying Jesus. And we receive your peace that passes understanding. In Jesus' name, I bind the spirit of anxiety that is torturing some people. And I say that we have surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the holy and terrible name of Jesus Christ, I command anxiety to go. And I invite the peace of the spirit of peace 
to brood over every body and every mind and every family and every house and every business represented here. Peace. Peace. In Jesus' name.